It's time with Pastor Mike Kessler starts now. This is It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship, home of CSN International, featuring Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River. Today, Pastor Mike is going to be teaching in the book of 1 Samuel. Located way back in the Old Testament, the books of 1 and 2 Samuel are the legacy that reveals the change from God-appointed judges over the people to the kingdom era, where the Jews are ruled over by a king both a departure from God's ways and a foreshadow of God's ways. With our study on the book of 1 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. So often we think that, well, I'm a Christian, and because I'm a king's kid, no trouble should ever come to me. Because I'm a king's kid, you know, everything should go my way. And I want to think that. I mean, after all, if God is control of everything... God knows everything and all-powerful, then why did he allow this bad thing to happen to me. You ever ask that question? Maybe I'm the only one, but I've asked God that question. But again, I believe, friends, it's simply because God wants to show you, again, his power over circumstances that seem to be insurmountable and no way around it. God has a way beyond your understanding to meet the need. Now, a lot of times we like to figure out how God's going to do something when we're in a crisis. Can you think of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, coming up to the Red Sea, mountains on both sides, the Red Sea in front of them. Moses, I think if we got some some pontoons, we could probably build a bridge across there. And if we got them, everybody, you know, if we could call in the Air Force, oops, we don't have one of those yet. They haven't been invented. Well, you know, let's try to do something else here. And I mean, I can imagine that they had all kinds of ideas how to be delivered from Pharaoh's army that was pressing in behind them. Pharaoh's army behind them. Mountains on both sides, Red Sea in front. You know where the only way out is up. And that's exactly what God did. As Moses went to the Lord, the Lord told him what to do. He held, he touched the water. The water parted. They walked through on dry ground. They all got through. Pharaoh's army followed him. Now, to me, that's pretty weird. But it also shows the blindness of a person when they're irrational. All they were after was the children of Israel. They didn't probably consider as the water heaved up on itself, and they were going through dry ground in the middle of the Red Sea, wow, that's not something you see every day. You know, water standing up, little fish pokes its head out. Hey, let's go fishing. (laughs) They're going through. Moses then holds his staff out over the opening, and the water covered Pharaoh's army. By the way, there's some video out on that. Uh, They've actually found the chariots in the bottom of the Red Sea. I think it's interesting. And so, you know, you look at that and you realize that God has a, a way of doing things that you don't. Who would ever dream that God would have parted the Red Sea? How about when the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee and they were scared? Uh, that Sea of Galilee, when those storms come in off the Mediterranean Sea and transform the Sea of Galilee from glass to a roaring sea with waves sometimes 11 feet tall. They called out, and they knew they were going to sink. And we remember, here comes Jesus walking on the water. Now that probably was kind of fun. Because you think about it for a minute, you know, 
Nice, smooth water is what we always think of sometimes when we think of Jesus walking on the water. But actually, the Bible says there was a storm that night. And, and uh, Jesus is walking on the water. Lord, if that's really you, Peter says, bid me to come out there with you. And Peter gets out of the boat. And when he saw the wind and the waves around him, he, he took his eyes off the Lord and he began to sink. I look at that, kind of interesting that who would ever dream that's the way Jesus would solve that problem? Or, or how about when the, the people were all hungry and Jesus said, well, what do you have? Well, we have a couple of loaves, of, uh, five loaves and two fish, but what's that amongst so many, they said. See, Jesus has a way of doing things beyond our understanding, but that's where he's God. And that's where we, when we're pressed into issues, that's where God says, I'm going to show you who I am. Well, certainly that was the case. David was pressed beyond measure. He, he, he ended up on the camp of the Philistines. Now here comes this Amalekite kid that says, look, uh, Saul was wounded. Uh, he was still alive. He asked me to kill him because uh, he was uh, uh, in, in, in pain. So I killed him and I took his crown and I took his bracelet off of him. Well, now this is a little bit different than the last chapter that we just read. So maybe Saul was already dead. And, and Saul being already dead, um, he took the crown thinking, well, hey, you know, I'll see what I can't get in, uh, from David for this. This is going to be a lot worth a lot more to David than it will be anybody else. Or maybe in truth, maybe Saul was still wounded. And so the Amalekite kid did kill him. Well, that would kind of be interesting because again, going back to chapter 15, of 1 Samuel, God told Saul to go out and utterly wipe out all the Amalekites. And what's a funny story there is this. Either you kill your enemy, or your enemy's going to kill you. And you, you look at that, and, and, and that's a truth, friends. Either you deal with those things that are, are taking your heart away from God, or those things will eventually try to wipe you out. And so a lot of people don't think that they really have real enemies in this world, but you do, and especially if you're a Christian. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm not a Christian, so, you know, the devil's on my side. Oh, don't ever think that. You're created in the image of God. And every time the devil looks at you, whether you're a Christian or not, he goes, I hate you. And I'm going to kill you. And, you know, it's funny. The devil will sometimes give you whatever you want to keep your mind busy so you won't really look at your own mortality, where you're really going in life. So simply all God is saying to you is, hey, look, there's a better plan for your life than just, just waste it on these things and letting the devil keep you preoccupied till you slip into your eternity forever. So this Amalekite comes and he's got his Saul's crown in his hand and got the gold uh, bracelet from his wrist. And so he says, they mourned and wept in verse 12. Fasted until evening for Saul and Jonathan his son and for the people of the Lord and the house of Israel because he had fallen by the sword. Then David said to the young man, and told him, now just where are you from? He, he kind of does the double take here. And he answered, I'm the son of an alien, an Amalekite. Now, this is kind of funny here because you remember the Amalekites are who just ripped off his family. <laughs> wrong person, <laughs> wrong time. Well, notice David said to the young man, how is it that you were not afraid to put forth your hand to destroy the Lord's anointed? Speaking of Saul. Then David called one of the young men and said to him, Go near, execute him. And he struck him so that he died. And so David said to him, Your blood is on your own head, for your mouth 
has testified against you, saying, I have killed the Lord's anointed. Then David lamented with lamentation over Saul and over Jonathan, his son. And, and you know, I, I believe this is the truth because, you know, David loved Jonathan. Now, there are people who are kind of weird that try to say, well, they had a homosexual relationship or something like that. And we never find that anywhere because the Bible says the love that David had for Jonathan was more than that for a woman. And so people read that in. But what I think it was really talking about there was just somebody that his heart bonded with that knew that he had the very best for him. And they had, and and, you know, friends like that are very, very difficult to ever find. Because again, it always seems that people are still out to um, do their own thing. And so um, David had uh, that kind of a relationship with Jonathan. And so understanding that also Saul was, was uh, Jonathan's dad, I believe that, uh, that David uh, wept over Jonathan as well as, as Saul. And, and it tells us here that he told them to teach the children of Judah the song of the bow. Indeed, it is written in the book of Jasher. Now, some of you say, well, what's the book of Jasher? This is a book we don't have. Now, there are different cults and different groups of people that have written their own book of Jasher and inserted it into their Bible and somehow tried to fool people, making people think the book of Jasher is around. But we do not have this book. And so um, uh, it is no doubt probably not, uh, it was probably not recognized as Scripture uh, it was probably just uh, chroni- chronicled in, in their books that they would have. Uh, and so we read here, though, the contents of this, which I do believe is Scripture. And so this is what it says. The beauty of Israel is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. And so as you look at this, you see the heart of David. And to look at the battle in a different light than maybe that it was lost and everything, but he's looking at the valiancy of the young men and all those who had fought. Tell it not in Gath. Now Gath is one of the principal cities of the Philistines. So in other words, don't be letting the enemy be bragging about it in their capital cities. Proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, another principal uh, city of the Philistines, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised triumph. And so he was saying, don't, this is not something that needs to be proclaimed among the camp of the enemy. This is a sad, tragic day. O mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew, nor let there be rain upon you, nor fields of offering, for the shield of the mighty is cast away there. And the shield of Saul is uh, not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain and from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back and the sword of Saul did not return empty. Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives. And in their death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles and they were stronger than lions. You know, it's interesting here that we see in the heart of David. You know, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. And that doesn't mean that David did everything right. In fact, David did some really rascally things. But nevertheless, David understood something about God. And one of those was this. You know, Jesus says to pray for our enemies, bless and curse not. And we find here that David, where Saul was a sworn enemy of David, Saul continually tried to kill David. Time after time, and in fact, even as many times as 
Saul lied to David and said, I will pursue you no more, my son, you know, go and, you know, kind of thing. And the very next chapter, he'd be out trying to kill him again. And yet in all of that, David continued to see God's hand in that. Friends, that's the only way that you can bless your enemies is when you see God's hand in the tragedy. Now, friends, that isn't something that we normally see because what we normally see is our lack and maybe their gain. Or our lack and God, how can you actually allow this to be happening if you're God? But we don't always understand everything. And sometimes, friends, it may not be until even maybe the next life that we will, when we're with the Lord, that we will understand why something happened the way it did. And we got angry with God. But then in faith, we say, okay, God, I don't like it. I think you did it wrong, but I'm going to continue to serve you anyway. I don't know if you've ever been that like, wait, wait to God. But then, you know, it's funny because after a while you begin to see that God did those things for a special reason. I look back in my life and I see certain things that happen in some of the most intense pain and sorrow in my life. I understand now that those things were necessary or things would not have happened the way they did. Now, what I'm basically saying is this. Certain things I had to go through, as bad as they were, to prevent something much worse from happening later on. You say, well, Mike, what kind of a life is it that this trial that I'm going through, you mean it can actually, uh, I can have actually this information that I'm learning in the middle of this trial will actually be beneficial later in my life? You bet. You bet. And that's the way God works. Friends, otherwise we wouldn't learn. We're all on a ride at Disneyland. You know, I just want to go. I'll go again, you know. And the problem with that is this. We don't learn. Sometimes, again, it's through the fiery trials that we go through is our dependency upon God built. The changes are made in our life. And we might go ahead and say that in the midst of those problems that we've had, that's when we make the changes which prepare us for the next level. I like what uh, Mike uh, um, and uh, Pam Roselle said, uh, when Mike was here, uh, we were visiting one night uh, after, uh, after they uh, did their thing. And, and he goes, new level, new devil. <laughs> it's true. The more you go with the Lord, the more challenge there is. And again, friends, you don't think the devil's going to waste time on somebody that isn't a threat to his darkness, do you? And so understand that. So if you're going through something you don't understand right now, all I can say is there's going to be something really great God's going to be doing in your life if he's working that hard to discourage you and trying to make you go the other way. Because again, that's the way it is. Now again, if it's something that we've done that we brought on ourselves, that's a different thing. But I, I, I'm even, even at that, God is bigger than those things that are wrong. If we'll repent and be honest and, and confess our faults, then God can heal us. But if we don't want to do that, then I, I believe, friends, that we're going to stay the way we are. But on the other hand, if you're seeking the Lord and all those things in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that happened to Paul happened to him directly because he was in the will of God, not because he was out of the will of God. Now you could have the same things happen to you because you're out of the will of God. But again, it's because God has called us for his purpose that oftentimes the devil does everything he can do to stop us. And so we find here that, that David is, is a person who has a heart of sensitivity. And he didn't write in here and say, 
And Saul deserved what he got from God. As he laid there bleeding on his sword, not a better thing could have happened to a more evil man. (laughs) That's sometimes what we'd like to say, wouldn't it, about people that have been mean to us? And by the way, if nobody's been mean to you yet in your Christian experience, they will be. Jesus said it like this, in this world, you will have tribulation. People go, well, the first time I have problems in my relationship with God, back to my bong I go. Or my six pack or my bottle of vino or whatever it is, wherever I used to go. Well, let me tell you, you're going to have trials in your life. Well, I, I thought as you got older in the Lord, you didn't have trials anymore. Where did you hear that? Is that something you... See, a lot of people have kind of this this God they make up. That's why I think it's important to read the Bible. Because, you see, we we have our own God. A God of our conjuring, you might say. Yeah, yeah. I got down in my basement, threw some chemicals in. God. He always smiles. Reaches out across the Sistine Chapel and touches my fingers. He always, always wears those big rosy sunglasses. So no, no, no matter what happens, no matter what happens, he, he has a different viewpoint of it all. And, and so I, I, I don't have any problems in my life. See, a lot of people think that. They think they're going to accept the Lord and everything's going to go their way. Friends, that is not the case. But it's how we see God's hand in those situations. David here is saying concerning David, uh, 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 Jonathan and Saul, Saul, a sworn enemy of his, David, his best friend. And he lumps them together and says, how the mighty have fallen. I think it's interesting. You see such a stark contrast between these two men. And I'm speaking of Saul and, and Jonathan. One, David's closest, dearest friend. The other one, his sworn enemy that tried to repetitively kill him over and over again. And yet David's heart for both of them is the same. And friends, that only happens in God. The place it happens. So he says, O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you in scarlet and luxury, who put ointments or ornaments of gold on your apparel, How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan was slain in your high places. I'm distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. So you see in David's heart, a heart of forgiveness a heart of restoration, a heart that didn't gloat over the demise of his enemies, but rather he saw that God ultimately was going to do something. Now, as we read on, we find in chapter 2, and we're not going to get there tonight, but we, when we get to chapter 2, you find now David is going to be anointed king over Israel. Where the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart, Saul was a man after man's heart. There's a contrast between the two. Saul reigned over Israel for 40 years. David reigned over Israel for 40 years. And the two in the parallels, both men are men. Both men did things wrong. But it's what David did in the things that he had did wrong, which made him a man after God's heart. If you think if you're going to be a person on this earth and you're not going to do some things wrong, friends, you're fooling yourself. 
But it's what you do when you do something wrong determines whether there's really a relationship with God and a quickened heart of the Spirit versus that of saying, well, that's just the way it is. If you don't like it, lump it. David was a person who did many things wrong, would admit that he'd done things wrong, but he didn't do anything to repent from it. And oftentimes when he would refer to God, he would say to Saul, or excuse me, he'd say to Samuel, the Lord your God. He didn't say the Lord our God or my God. He'd say the Lord your God. That's interesting. Because again, oftentimes, friends, people's words and actions horribly betray them. But for our sake in the Lord, you can see those things. And that helps us be able to determine really what ultimately is what the, and what they're about. And so I would invite you tonight, again, as we see this, there's a lot of lessons here that can be learned. One, not to gloat over the demise of your enemy and to treat your enemy the same as you would treat your best friend. Also, we find in this story that God is bigger than the things that we've done wrong. We also see that if the story that we find here in 2 Samuel chapter 1 is true, if you don't deal with your enemy, the Amalekites, the Amalekites will deal with you. Everybody's enemy may be a little bit different. I mean, I mean, the devil has a tailor-made trick for you. Not everybody's trick is the same. I mean, what will stumble you may not stumble somebody else. But remember, the Bible tells us the devil studies us like an army or like a city that he wants to conquer. And so understanding those things, and you know, I look back in my life and I can see where I didn't listen to what God wanted and, and the trouble that it, that, and how it hurt me. And so, and, and many times we'll, we'll pay for those, those mistakes for many years in our lives. So again, to let God bless you, put yourself in that place, understand that God's bigger than the things you've done wrong. You know, God could have said, David, you're living with the Philistines. You're, you've had it. I'll anoint somebody else for king over Israel. You're a two-time and good-for-nothing traitor. God didn't do that to David. Do you know why God loved David? And God understood when David's faith was faint that God is the one that made the difference. You know, the Bible says something very interesting. It says that Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. Now you say, well, what's that mean? He's the beginner and the ender of our faith. Now, the faith that you have in God is the faith that God's given you. And the thing is, God allows us to go through things to increase our faith. And, and so, again, friends, the faith that you have in God, use that. And God will add to it. God will bless you and restore you and heal you. And maybe if you're going through something right now in your life, you don't understand. And, and you feel that temptation and that urge to run away from God and go do what you used to do to give you comfort and peace. Don't listen. That's a lie from the devil. And just say, okay, Lord, I, I'm going I'm to kind of get back to what you want me to do. And I know it's going to be tough. I mean, listen, friends, do you think Jesus going and dying on the cross for our sins was something that he just, that he just, he just, uh, and I believe there was times when he did because he knew he wanted to save all of us. But then I see the humanity side of Jesus where he's in the garden of Gethsemane praying. And the Bible says he sweat great drops of blood. And he said, Father, if there's any other way, that man can be saved. Let this cup pass for me. He was saying, look, uh, this is, uh, I don't know. And we remember that Jesus went ahead and died on the cross, which tells me a lot. It tells me that just being a good person will not get you to heaven. 
Just being a moral person will not get you to heaven. Just being a, a, a churchgoer won't get you to heaven. There's only one way that man's going to be saved, and that's through the blood of Christ and applying that to your life. So we look at this and, and understand that God's got this great plan for our life. We, we see that in David, uh, that God, in the way that he used him, he said he was a man after his own heart. And I think there's a lot of things, again, that we can see in David's life. And again, God was bigger than anything that David did. So I think that's something we can be comforted by in our life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have all things under your control. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to invite you to grab the free podcast of its time by hopping on the iTunes store and downloading your own copy. If you like having the disc, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order for First Samuel. From Pastor Mike, myself, and all of us here at the River, thanks for tuning in to It's Time.